Welcome to Citroen Cooperman's Taxes in 10 podcast. I would now like to introduce our tax practice leader, Joe Bublé. Good day, everyone. And welcome to Citroen Cooperman's Taxes in 10 podcast. My name is Joe Bublé. I'm a tax partner in the New York City office, as well as the firm's tax practice leader. Today, we're going to be talking about the economic uh, retention credit. And uh, to that, we have Jeff Rogers, who is a director in our Braintree office. Jeff, welcome. Glad to have you here. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. And we've had a prior podcast on the ERC, but now we're going to talk a little bit about a summary, but more of the practical aspects, and as well as a recent uh, IRS pronouncement. So, Jeff, why don't we just start off by just giving a brief background of the ERC? Sure. So, the Employee Retention Credit was introduced as part of the CARES Act, along with the Paycheck Protection Program Loan, or PPP, as it's more commonly referred and is intended to help businesses impacted by the pandemic with their payroll to, to minimize layoffs. It comes in the form of a refundable credit against payroll taxes, and it is equal to 50% and up to $10,000 of eligible wages per employee for the 2020 calendar year. But to be eligible, one of two things would have had to have happened to your business during 2020. You would have had to have been impacted by a government shutdown mandate, or you would have had to have experienced a 50% drop in revenue as in a quarter as compared with the same quarter of 2019. And if you met that decline, you would be eligible through the quarter in which you got back to 80% of your 2019 revenue. So if you met one of those two criteria, the next thing you'd wanna do is look at your full-time employee headcount for 2019. You'd look at it on a monthly average. And if you employed less than 100 full-time employees, you were eligible to claim an ERC credit on all wages paid during the qualified period. If you had more than 100 employees, you could only take the credit if you paid employees to not provide services or basically stay home. Now, there's one major restriction when this was first introduced, and it was that if a business was receiving a PPP loan, they were not eligible to claim the credit. So because of that, very few businesses paid this much attention. Right. Now, Jeff, toward the end of 2020, we had the Consolidated Appropriations Act of 2021 signed into law, and that made some changes, some which were forward-looking and some were retroactive. So can you just talk about those for a few minutes? Yeah, you're absolutely right. It was uh, December 27th uh, when the Consolidated Appropriations Act came out and did a few things. One, it, it did extend the ERC out through the second quarter of 2021 with some favorable modifications. Previously, I mentioned that to qualify in 2020, you had to have experienced a 50% drop in revenue. That's still in effect for 2020, but for 2021, they've changed that to only requiring a 20% drop. And they still let you compare with the same quarter of 2019. They don't make you look at 2020. They also allow you to look at your previous quarter. They call it a prior quarter safe harbor. So here we are in the first quarter of 2021. You can determine eligibility by looking at the fourth quarter of 2020 and comparing against the fourth quarter of 2019 to determine whether you were down by 20%. Now, the positive development was that 100 full-time employee threshold that left a lot of businesses out was increased to 500 employees in the same 2019 year is the comparison point. In terms of calculating the credit as well, it's much more lucrative. You know, the original credit was capped at $10,000 in wages for the year. That $10,000 in wages don't affect, but now it's per quarter. And instead of it being a 50% credit on those wages, it's a 70% credit. So whereas in 2020, the maximum credit is $5,000 per employee, 
in 2021 through the second quarter, you could conceivably receive a $14,000 credit per employee. And the good thing about it, we're still within the first quarter here. If you can identify your, the, the amount of credit that you might have entitled to you, you can get in touch with the payroll service provider and let them know that you want to uh, reduce payroll deposits for the remainder of the quarter to keep the cash in, in your business uh, quicker. In addition, a couple other developments. They introduced four new categories of non-payroll costs for PPP loan forgiveness purposes. Covered property damage costs, covered supplier costs, covered worker protection expenditures, and a very broad covered operations expenditures. Now, I realize that's a PPP concept, but it's very relevant based on this last development, which was that now PPP loan recipients could retroactively go back to 2020 and claim the ERC. One catch, however, you just had to make sure that you were not using the same wages for both PPP and ERC purposes. Thanks, Jeff. So now working with clients now, I know there have been a number of areas where we've been looking for guidance. Can we just talk about them? Yeah. So we kind of understood the, the, the rules in play, but it's been some of the mechanics that have given us problems and really two main areas, one of which was helping businesses navigate whether they were impacted by a government shutdown. You know, we, we, we work with their legal advisors on this. And the IRS has a bunch of frequently asked questions on their website. They, and they make it pretty clear. I mean, you, you know, if you were had a full shutdown, but where it's more subjective is for the, um, the essential businesses that may offer non-essential business services that had to shut down and also businesses that had to make significant modifications, essential businesses that make significant modifications to adhere to social distancing guidelines because it didn't, you know, that you were eligible for this credit, not only if you had a full shutdown, but also a partial shutdown. So making that determination of was, did the business have a partial shutdown, very subjective. And the IRS contributed to that because they kept using a term nominal effect. Did this, did having to shut down this business line have more than a nominal effect in your business? Did this, did this modification create more than a nominal effect on your business? We didn't know what nominal effect meant. So that was something we were hoping we could get some guidance on. And then the other area was the mechanics of the wage uses for PPP and, and ESC periods when, the, when they overlap, because the reality is they did. And we, we, we know that you can't use the same wages for both, but did the IRS have something specific in mind when it came to segmenting? And did you need to have strict periods separating the two? Did you have to, you know, once your PPP funds were received, did you have to, you know, take ERC off the table until you had fully used them? Or could you go in and, 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 and you know, mix and match them as, as best as help your business the best way possible? That's what we really needed to know. And, and, and really this fourth issue was a big one for those businesses that proactively had applied for forgiveness and, you know, they didn't know that they were going to have the benefit of ERC or they didn't know that there were going to be no new additional non-payroll costs that they could have used for forgiveness. Because remember, to get your PPP loan forgiveness, you only need 60% payroll costs. 40% can fall into this non-payroll category. So some of these businesses applied and they just put 100% payroll on their loan forgiveness application. Or worse, they put more than 100% just to really drive home the point that they used all their loan money for for, for payroll. Now they're finding out they can go, go back and get the ERC 
what's available to, to them to remedy this. Right. So now the IRS on March 1st comes out with notice 20, 21-20. And now what does that provide? Well, so what it, what it did was it, it gave 71 question and answers and examples. How many of the, the questions and answers had already been covered in the FAQs, but it did provide clarification on some areas that needed it. Not all, but, but, but some of them. And it was also very clear, it was only addressing the 2020 version of the credit, not 2021. Future guidance is coming out on 2021. But a couple of the areas that I, that I thought they did some, you know, provide some pretty useful information related to, number one, first, the government mandate. They, they kind of explained, you know, areas that, modifications that you could, that could potentially lend themselves to a partial shutdown if they applied to your business. You still have to determine whether they're more than a nominal effect, but if you had to limit occupancy to provide for social distancing, or if you had to change your services so that they were only on an appointment basis, or if you had to change the format of your services, I think restaurants and, and retailers that had to, that for a period couldn't let businesses in, inside the store, you potentially had something to work with where you could try to make a determination whether it had more than a nominal effect on your business. And then it actually provided a somewhat bright, bright line definition of what a nominal effect meant to them. And more or less what they said is, look, if the gross receipts from that portion of the business that you had to either shut down or that was significantly modified led to a more than 10% drop in revenue as compared to your total gross receipts, or looking at it from a service hour point of view, if you experienced a 10% decline based upon the, your total service hours, you had something that had a more than nominal effect on your business. So it helps you develop your position. And then the, the, you know, the last thing as it relates to government mandate that, that, that it did, you know, in the original FAQs, they talked about how shifting to, you know, to work from home, uh, out of the office to work from home typically wouldn't be something that would be deemed a, a, um, a partial shutdown. However, they added some things that, that you could consider to determine, well, maybe, maybe, maybe you aren't able to provide comparable operations. You kind of, you look to your employer's network capabilities, portability of the employee's work, you know, the need for presence back in the office and the transition time that it took to shift to telework. They're all kind of things that kind of can play into your decision-making process. The big thing though, um, as far as I'm concerned, that this helped this notice provide a clarification on was the PPP and ERC wage interplay um, process. And it provided some updates, some positive ones, um, also a negative one. And um, both of them right now, you know, the first thing they made quite clear on the you know, positive development, if you applied for forgiveness and you put more wages than the face amount of the loan on your forgiveness application. You know, so you took out a $200,000 loan, but you wrote $350,000 of wages on your forgiveness application. And so don't worry, that, that extra $150,000, you haven't lost that. If it's eligible for ERC, you go back and, and claim the ERC credit. On the flip side though, um, they are not as lenient when it comes to the non-payroll costs. If you didn't put those on your original application, many businesses didn't need to, um, you cannot now go back and all of a sudden say, wait a minute, 
uh, we had non-payroll costs. We didn't list them. Can we put them on now and, and take some of these ERC wages and, and go back and claim the credit? They said, no, you're, um, you made the election to, to, to not use them. I, I suspect there could be more to come on that one because it, it is quite unfair to uh, businesses that went in prior to December 27th before they could have known that they would have had the chance for the ERC credit or before they would have known about these four additional categories of non-payroll costs. But ending on a positive note, you know, they made it quite clear that from an optimization standpoint of the ERC and PPP wages, when they fell during the same periods, again, some wages that were eligible for PPP and some wages that, I mean, eligible for ERC and then some wages that were not, they said, look, for your purposes of, of getting forgiveness on your PPP loan, We'll take the ones that would not you would not be entitled to an ERC credit on. Buy those ones first. And if there's anything left over that would be ERC eligible, we'll claim a credit on it. So it's very flexible in that regard. It's creating a lot of you know planning opportunities. Um, and yeah, and that was the uh, that was the that was the the the, the general just of the notice. There was other things as, as well. But. Okay, thanks, Jeff. And if you could just go back to that one thing in terms of the, the shifting from a, a company shifting to people working at home. And I understand that, that, let's say you had a company, uh, you know, an office, you know, types that people, I'll say, seamlessly started working from home and they were required to work from home. That would not be a government-mandated shutdown. Is that fair? That is fair to say. Yes, if you were, if it was, if you experienced no real uh, hiccups along the way, um, that would not be deemed a a government shutdown. But if 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 it wasn't seamless, um, or if the work that you were, if you just could not provide the same level of of service or performance at home, then you might have something that you could dig into. Right. And I guess that would only be for the period of time where you experience the difficulties. Once you got everything straightened out and you were up and running, then I guess you, you weren't the subject of a government subject shut down from that point forward. I would say that's, that, that's true. Yeah. Okay. Great. Uh, so a lot, lot to digest in, in the notice, but uh, this was uh, great, Jeff. I appreciate you taking the time to come on the podcast and everyone out there. Please be on the lookout for our other podcasts on tax-related topics. And I hope everyone is staying safe and carrying on. And thank you and have a good day.